Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you joined us today as we're going to continue our series talking about what my protector means to me. And in just a few moments, I'm going to share with you a teaching in this series where we're going to talk about what it means to me to know that he's my rescuer and to know that he keeps me. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we do anything, I want to pray for you that God will help you know him as your rescuer and that you will come to a place where you can trust in him and know that he's keeping you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just pray your blessing on each one who's joining us here this morning. God, I pray that you will remind us that you rescue us, that that you will remind us that... Uh, that God, you have you have come to this world, become a part of this world, offered your life on a cross to rescue us. And God, you don't stop rescuing us. You keep rescuing us. And God, we we just thank you and we pray that we will come to know and trust that you also not only rescue us, but you keep us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together. Amen. Well, this morning I do, I want to dive into this teaching where we're going to talk about what his rescue and what his keeping mean to me. And we're going to talk a lot about pits and falling into pits. And there's this old story that pastors tell here and there, and and I want to share it with you. It's a story about a man who was walking along and he fell into a pit. Uh, he couldn't get out, and so he started yelling for help, and along came a Buddhist monk, and the Buddhist monk looked down at the man, he saw him, and he said, well, listen, friend, your pit is just a state of mind. A Hindu priest came by, looked down in the pit, and he said to the man, well, karma says you deserve to be there, and you know, the, the pain of your pit is just an illusion. Well, Confucius came by and looked at the man, and he said, if you would have just listened to me, you never would have fallen in that pit. A New Age spiritualist came by and said, you're your own God. You can lift yourself out of the pit. Maybe you should network with some other pit dwellers and and come up with solutions here here are some stones and some crystals that will help you in your pit a self-help guru came by and he said just believe you can get out of the pit you can do it (laughs) believe and you can achieve well muhammad came by And he said, you deserve your pit because you've dishonored Allah and his commands. And so that's why you're in that pit. You should work hard to get his approval so he'll pull you out. A realist came by, looked at the pit and said, yep, that's a pit for sure. A scientist came by and calculated the pounds per square inch it would take to get him out of the pit. A geologist came by and said, hey, you should just appreciate the rock strata of the pit. 
An evolutionist came by and said, you're a rejected mutant destined to be removed from the evolutionary cycle so as to not produce any pit-falling offspring. A county inspector came by and asked if he had a permit to dig such a pit. A professor came by and gave him a lecture about the elementary principles of the pit. An evasive person avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self-pitying person came by and said, You haven't seen a pit until you've seen my pit. An optimist came by and said, Wow, <laughs> things could be worse. A pessimist came by and said, Things will get worse. A valley girl came by and said, Wow, this is the pits, babe. And Jesus came by, saw the man in the pit, took him by the hand, and lifted him out of the pit. Well, we're in this series where we're talking about we're talking about what my protector means to me, what it means to have Jesus as a shepherd, a protector, a defender, what it means to have Jesus go before us as our great shepherd. And, and this whole series, there's been a shepherd theme to it. We've been turning to passages where Jesus is described as a shepherd and we're described as the sheep of his pasture. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus will say this, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, a day you weren't supposed to work, will you not take a hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? And you might not realize it. You might not always feel like it, especially when you're in the midst of a pit. But if you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you're a sheep in his flock and you are incredibly valuable to him. And when you're in the pit, he wants to rescue you out of it. He said he would. He said you're more valuable than a sheep that could fall into a pit. And he will lift you out and rescue you from your pit. King David described the way that Jesus goes before us as a shepherd. And he says, I will fear no evil. I'm not going to be afraid of the pits. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He carries a rod, which is a club-looking thing, so that he can defend the sheep. And he can fight off the wolves. He can drive Satan off. He can drive temptation off. He can drive uh, the things that want to hurt us in this world away. He wants to protect his sheep. And he carries the staff so that he can guide the sheep and lead the sheep and sometimes rescue the sheep. One of the reasons for that crook on a shepherd's staff is so that he could uh, put it around the neck of a sheep when it falls into a pit or falls somewhere in, on, off a cliff where it needs to be lifted out uh, and, and he can wrap it around that sheep and, and pull it, helping it out of its danger and he has a rod and a staff and David said that knowing that helps me not be afraid of the pits that I might fall in and knowing that gives me comfort 
And the word for comfort here is a word that describes how, well, he feels protected, he feels cared for, he, he feels like God is, is consoling him in times of sorrow. He feels like God is, is taking care of him in times of trouble. He feels like his stress levels are lower. He feels like God is guiding him. He's guiding him in the open valleys, he describes in Psalm 23. He's guiding him on the, on the grassy plateaus. He's guiding him even through the shadowy valleys where there's pits. He's guiding Guiding him, and when his sheep wander, he goes and finds them. We talked about that earlier in this series. When his sheep fall and into a pit, he rescues them. And what I want to do this morning is is talk about how Jesus guides us through life's pits. And not only does he guide us, but he rescues us from life's pits. And what I want to do just to to go through this series this this teaching today is share with you four four ways that 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 we can see Jesus guiding us through the pits. The the first way is this that that as the shepherd who carries a rod and staff goes before us, comforts us and, and makes us not afraid of the pits, the first thing he does is he offers us wisdom to avoid the pits. Now we'll talk about him rescuing us from the pits in the next three uh, points, but, but we would miss something if we didn't talk about this one from the beginning. He wants to teach us and he wants to lead us in such a way that we avoid life's unnecessary pits. Now, there will be pits that will come our way, uh, but a lot of times the pits we fall into are unnecessary and avoidable. Uh, there will be shadowy valleys. Uh, there will be tough times. But sometimes those are avoidable shadowy valleys, avoidable uh, pits. And Jesus wants to help us not fall into those unnecessary pits by guiding us. Have you ever fell into an unnecessary pit? Have you ever done that? Have you ever found yourself where you were facing a challenge or you had a problem that could have been avoided? Have you ever had an unnecessary argument? And then at the end of the argument, everybody's all upset. And you said, why did we even do that? Uh, why did I even argue for that? I didn't even really care about that. And there's unnecessary tension in a friendship or a relationship. Or maybe you had an unnecessary struggle, an unnecessary health issue that you brought on, an unnecessary stress issue or emotional issue or marriage issue or financial issue. Sometimes Sometimes we have pits that were avoidable simply because uh, we, well, we did unnecessary things. We we didn't we didn't learn from our shepherd who is trying to guide us around the unnecessary pits, and and so how do I keep myself from wandering into unnecessary pits? Uh, you realize, don't you, that a lot of the problems in life that we have are problems that we didn't have to have. Uh, you are often, and me, I am often, the source of a lot of preventable problems. And so to help us, God wants to give us his wisdom and train us. He wants to give us his wisdom and help us 
so that we can avoid those pits. In fact, he offers to share us share with us his wisdom if we simply ask and he shares his wisdom in the scriptures or 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 in the bible which often i'll 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 say sometimes scriptures or sometimes i'll say bible and 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 you assume people know what you mean they're the same thing Uh, i just want to make sure i say that because sometimes i assume people know too too much and and a basic thing like knowing that the scriptures the bible often we will call it god's word it's all the same thing and he offers us his wisdom there he offers us the ability to avoid unnecessary pits simply by learning from him in his word he wants us to avoid those unnecessary pits sometimes in my life i'll call those unnecessary pits stupid tax have you ever had to pay a stupid tax Uh, when i'm not wise when i make a dumb decision or when i do a dumb thing uh, when i say a dumb thing when i make a situation worse not better uh, i have this thing in my life i call stupid tax and that's the ramifications of of what i did that was stupid Uh, when i do stupid and i have to pay for it uh, i may have to pay for it with more problems i may have to pay for it financially i may have to pay for it emotionally I may have to pay for it physically and and relationally. And I call that my stupid tax because I did stupid. I paid for stupid and now I have to learn from stupid. Have you ever had a time in your life where someone said something and you just responded the wrong way and you made something worse? Uh, You weren't wise in the moment. You were dumb and you had to pay a stupid tax. Maybe it was simply sleeping on the couch that night. Uh, But the more stupid we do, the more dumb we do, the more stupid tax we have to pay. And that can get very expensive. And God wants to help us avoid stupid tax. You want to have fewer problems in life? You want to pay less stupid tax in your life uh, in the form of pits? Well, get wisdom. Get wisdom from God. Well, how do I do that? Well, simple. I, I learned God's principles. I learned how to apply God's principles in my life. I, I learned to follow God's word in my life. Uh, again, the Bible or the scriptures. Uh, I start putting that to work in my life, and I will find that life has a lot less unnecessary pits. Listen to what David says in Psalm 119, 67 to 68. He says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Uh, you could write there or read there until he, you taught me. But now, instead of wandering off like a, a sheep that wanders, now I follow your word. David said that what helped him was closely following God's word. I spend more time in in God's principles. I spend more time in in the Bible. More time I spend in in God's word. The more time I apply God's word, the more wise I will become and the less unnecessary pits I'll fall into. And the wiser you become, the fewer problems you'll have in life. Now, he doesn't promise a life without problems, but like I said, there are a lot of problems that we face that are unnecessary. Life will get easier in a lot of ways if we simply start applying God's word to our lives. So how do you spend 
more time in God's Word? Well, uh, one way is uh, through Vernonia Church. Uh, here We're here doing this online teaching. You can spend time every week in, in an online teaching. You can listen to it on podcast or, or, or watch it here on YouTube or Facebook or wherever it is you're hanging out with us today. Uh, or you could come in person, which is even better. Uh, you could come to in-person church where we spend every Sunday together getting into God's Word, uh, doing the things that God's Word calls us to do, like coming together uh, as a church body and worship, coming together as a church body, celebrating the Lord's Supper together, coming together as a church body, getting into God's Word, the Scriptures, and talking about how to apply it to our lives together. Uh, you're more than welcome to do that. We would love you to do that. And, and the more you, you commit yourself to every Sunday being a part of your church every Sunday uh, being here, the more you commit yourself to just making that a routine, the more you will learn how to avoid a lot of life's unnecessary pits. Uh, pretty soon we're going to start our fall uh, small groups where we're going to have small groups all throughout the church, growth groups, getting together and getting into God's word during the midweek. And, and that would be a great opportunity to, to start getting into God's word just a little bit more. But let me give you something you could do today. You could start today doing a daily quiet time. In a daily quiet time, let me just give you a simple way to do it. Just take 5, 10, 15 minutes a day. Spend that, that time reading something from God's Word, asking, God, what do you want me to learn here? What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to feel here? And, and just invite Him to teach you His ways as you read it. And then go do what it says. Spend the rest of the day finding ways to apply what you learned in your daily quiet time. God wants to teach us how to avoid the pits. But let's be honest, we won't always avoid the pits. Even those of us who spend uh, lots of time in God's Word, even though lo uh, even lots of us who spend lots of time together in God's Word, who spend time in church, who volunteer, who do all kinds of things, we still find ourselves sometimes falling into unnecessary pits, and, and we find ourselves failing. Even those of us who love Jesus with all our heart, we still fail. We still fall. We still find ourselves in a pit. So then what? Well, that's what we want to get into next. Number two. Number two is this. What my protector means to me is that he's a protector who rescues me from my failures. Because here's the thing. We all like sheep wander. You know, we all are going to pay stupid tax. One of the things that I often hear people say about sheep is sheep aren't that bright. And sometimes as the sheep of, of, of God's flock, we aren't always that bright. Even the brightest of us, even the most determined of us and the most faithful of us, we all fail. Even when we attend church regularly, get into God's Word regularly, we still wander, we still fail. And there will be times where we fail 
to do what we should, where we say the wrong thing, where we do the wrong thing, where we give the wrong look, uh, where, where, we, where we fail. We, we fail to, to, to do, or to, we fail to not do what we should do, and we fail to do what we should do. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> we all fail. How's that? <laughs> uh, we, we don't all do what we should do, and sometimes we do what we shouldn't do. There we go. Uh, we all fail. And, uh, and sometimes we can look at our lives and we can feel like a failure, even a failure as a Christian. I fail God all the time. I, I don't do what God wants me to do. I do what God doesn't want me to do. I, I feel like a failure. Uh, we're going to fall down many, 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 many times in life. We all will. And, uh, you know, Jesus, our shepherd, knows that he has sheep who fail. But when he accepted you as one of his sheep, he knew it was because you failed and you needed him. And you don't stop needing him once you say yes to him. He knows that. He's your shepherd. He knows that you're going to fail. And your failures don't have to define you. Uh, Jesus carries a staff because he knows you will fail to go the right way and he's going to have to direct you and he carries that staff because he knows you're going to fail and sometimes fail into a pit and he's going to have to rescue you and Jesus won't look at you he won't look at me when we fail and say I don't want this one he's not going to do that he's already accepted you failures and all and he will continue to accept you and rescue you, failures and all. That's why we call him a savior. And, and when it comes to your failures, don't let those failures define you. Let him define you. When he calls you a child of God, he called you that when you were failing and when you said, Jesus, I need forgiveness and grace, and he will continue to call that as you continue to fail and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness and grace. I often would have conversations with my son. Uh, my son likes to play baseball. And actually, I had the same conversations with my daughters, and they played softball. And uh, they, they, they love to play softball. And they would sometimes get really upset when they failed and struck out they'd get upset when they didn't hit that ball and i would remind them of this this baseball player who was a professional baseball player uh, he was a professional baseball player who had a 22 year career as a as a pro baseball player and he struck out a whopping 1300 times and what that means is that he failed to hit the ball at least 3,990 times throughout his professional career. In one season, he struck out 93 times, which was really high for his era of baseball. They didn't play as many games as they do today. But, but at the same time, in that same year, he hit 43 home runs. And, and in his best year, he hit 60 home runs. And he was called, he had all kinds of, of 
names back in his day. He was called the Sultan of Swat, the King of Crash, the Colossus of Clout, uh, the Prince of Pounders, the Wizard of Whack, and the Great Bambino, or simply the Babe. His name was Babe Ruth, and he's remembered not for all of his failures, although he had a lot of them, and that was notable, but he's remembered as one of the most iconic and one of the best baseball players who ever played the game of baseball. And what I guess I'm trying to get at is, in life, you're going to fail. Sometimes you'll fail big, you'll make mistakes, and you'll miss the mark, and, and your failure doesn't define you, because you follow a good shepherd. You follow this good shepherd who's a good father, who's a good God, and he knows about your failures, and he knows you'll have failures. He knows we all stumble, and that we all sometimes will fall on our face, and we all wander, and every time I wander, I get in trouble, and the farther away I wander from my shepherd, the more problems I'm going to have, and the more I'm going to fail. And here's what Jesus does when you fail, and when I fail. He defines you by what he does for you, not by what you didn't do for him. You're a child of God. He absolutely loves you, even when you embarrass yourself. He absolutely loves you, calls you his child, his son, his daughter, even when you really mess up, even when you strike out. And you might say, well, I know I'm a child of God, and, and I know I should do better than this, and, and, and I know I really messed up. How does Jesus respond? Well, he's already told us, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 12, he says, when a sheep falls in a pit, you lift it out. And that's what he wants to do with you. He simply wants to lift you out of the pit. He rescues his sheep. He rescues us. Jesus says if a sheep falls into a pit, you'll rescue it. And, and aren't you more valuable than a sheep? What about your life? When you fail, how do you think God will respond to you? Will he rescue you? Well, if you can trust in the words of Jesus, the answer is absolutely absolutely well you might say well what if it just wasn't just a failure but what if it was a a big fall what if i really fall what if i really fell uh, i mean i fell big what then well that brings me to number three and number three is this he still rescues me when i fall he rescues me when i fail and he rescues me when I fall. When I fall spiritually, even if I have a giant fall, he rescues me. And this one is really important because sometimes we can find ourselves not understanding him as our shepherd. And 
And if we don't understand how he's going to respond to us when I really fall, then, and if I don't understand him as my protector, as my rescuer when I fall, then it's going to be really hard for me to come back to him, to trust in him when I fall, isn't it? If I fall, even if it's a big fall, we think about sometimes we misunderstand and we think that God's just going to cream us. He's going to get even with us when we fall. When we fall, if we think God is going to hate us and, and reject us and God's going to just turn us away, then we'll never come back to him when we fall. If we don't understand how God responds when we fall, we're going to maybe just avoid God. We're going to walk away from God. We're going to distance ourselves more and more from Him rather than get closer to Him, which is what we really need to do in those moments where we fall big. If you have an animal that you care about, most of you don't have sheep. Some of you might. Uh, but if you have an animal you care about, most of us have dogs and cats. And some of us here in Vernonia, there's folks here in Vernonia that have horses and, and uh, chickens, all kinds of stuff. But if you have an animal that falls into a pit, you're going to rescue it. You're going to care for it. You're going to love it uh, because that's your animal. You're going to take care of it. It's your responsibility. You're going to lift it up out of its hole. I remember when I did have sheep, I had llamas. Uh, the llamas were to protect and sort of uh, corral the sheep. And I remember one time I came home and I had a llama that had fallen into a creek bed on my property and it was stuck there and we did everything we could to pull that llama out to help that llama get up and get out and and we did everything we could to hoist that sucker up and and to take him out and you know i i don't i, I didn't stand there and and scold the llama and tell the llama what a what a horrible llama it was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't treat the llama like less of my llama because it got stuck in a hole and fell. And Jesus says, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? How much more valuable is a man than a llama, <laughs> than a dog, than a, than a cat? Uh, much more valuable. You are incredibly valuable to him. And when God looks at your life, he cares about you. He is a compassionate God who has this incredible compassion for you. We talked about that earlier in this series. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to some of the earlier teachings in this series. He's this compassionate God who cares about you. He's not going to scold you, condemn you, abandon you because of your fall even a big fall if you think he is you'll just avoid him if you think he's gonna respond to you like buddha or confucius or or allah as muhammad taught of him if, if you think he's gonna respond to you like some self-help guru or any of the others in in our little story about the man in the pit then you're probably not going to turn to god in times of your fall. But if you understand that Jesus comes to us in the pit and says, let me help you out. If you understand that, 
that that he is your savior that he was your savior before you said or, or he was your savior when you said yes to Jesus when you made your first time decision to believe when you first repented confessed got baptized that that he is your savior in that moment if you understand that not only was he your savior but he continues to be your savior he knew that you were going to fall and he knew that you needed him to save you and help you out of your pit he won't excuse your pit he won't judge your pit did you know that? It says in John chapter 3, God sent his son in the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Our pits have already judged us all by themselves, and Jesus comes to save us from the pits. Jesus comes to save us when we fall. He says, I can help you out. And, and that's the Savior that we have come together to get to know. He says, can I help you out? Salvation. God offers. Salvation. God invites you to know. Even those of you who found yourself with a big fall. He just wants to save you. Sometimes people ask, why does God allow me to fall? Well, why does he allow me to fall to begin with? And the answer is, well, because he he loves his creation and he gave his creation something he gave no other part of his creation when he created us. He gave us choice. And because he loves us, he wants to create a people who love him back. And the only way to... That, that 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 we can have a situation where we love God and, and and God loves us and we're in this mutual relationship of love as if there's a choice. And because God gave us a choice, we find ourselves sometimes choosing the wrong thing. And that's why we fall. And God could immediately in this moment right now stop all the falling and all of the world but in order to do that, he'd have to take away all choice. And God loves us. And God wants to create before heaven, create a people who want to be with him, a, a people who want to know him, a, a people who, who want a relationship with him, a people who will love him back. I once heard people, uh, uh, one preacher say that the freedom to choose that God gave you is the greatest gift and sometimes the worst curse because we all make bad choices. That's a good thought. That's a that's kind of a true thing. It's the greatest gift God ever gave you, but sometimes we make choices that that cause others to fall. We make choices that cause ourselves to fall. We make choices that affect economies and, and affect communities and, and, and affect the people around us and families. We make our choices. And because of that, sometimes... We wreck things and fall. Our fall sometimes brings suffering into our lives. And, and God doesn't create the suffering, but he allows the consequences of our decisions in our lives. And, and you're free to make any decision you want in life. He, he's given you that ability to choose. 
But at the same time, you're not free from the consequences of those choices. In Psalm chapter 71, verse 20, the psalmist says, You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but then catch this. Then he says, But you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. In the contemporary English version, in that verse, it says this, You will bring me back from this deep pit and give me new life. You find yourself in the place, maybe re even right now, uh, where you're facing suffering or the consequences of, of a fall. And Jesus says, let me help you out. Uh, let, me, let me help you have new life. Be born again. And when you let Jesus be your shepherd, you're no longer on your own in the pit. His rod and staff, they will protect you and guide you, and, and you don't have to be afraid. In, in Psalm 3, verse 25 to, or sorry, in Proverbs 3, verse 25 to 26, it says this You need not to be afraid of sudden disaster or destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. And you could protect, uh, you could picture Jesus as a shepherd going before you as you're living out your Christian life, sometimes failing, sometimes falling, always coming back and saying, God, forgive me, I need you, and always remembering that he gives you grace. And you could picture him with his crooked shepherd's uh, staff, sometimes grabbing a hold of you and pulling you away from danger as the pit's coming by and you're, you walk by it. You, you can picture him sometimes uh, grabbing you and, and pulling you closer, keeping you from getting caught in a trap. And so what do I do? What does it mean to me to know that he rescues me when I fail and fall? What do I do when I find myself failing and falling? Well, what do I do when I'm in the midst of a pit? It's simple. I turn to God. That's it. I, I simply turn to God and I invite him to be close to me and I accept his help. I let him pull me out. It looks like prayer. It looks like saying, God, I'm in this pit. It might even be, God, I, I made this pit and I'm in this pit. God, I've failed you. I've, I've failed others. I've, I've failed myself. And, and God, I have fallen. And God, I'm ready to turn away from my pit and turn to you, my Savior. God, I confess. I confess my sin. And the Bible word for this conversation that I'm describing that we have with God, the fancy Bible word for it is the word repent. The word repentance is a word that simply means I, I turn away from my pit and I turn to you, my Savior. And when you do that, he says he will restore you. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Apostle John is talking to Christians about what they should do after they've said yes to Jesus, after they've been living the Christian life, and when they find themselves failing or falling, what should they do? And he says this, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all 
wickedness. And in those moments when we turn back to God, when we repent, you don't have to be afraid to face Him. You can know that you're safe and secure as you turn to Him. You don't have to be afraid that He's going to reject you, abandon you, scold you, put you down for for your failures and your falls. Instead, you can know that when you turn to Him, He will show you great compassion because He is a compassionate God. And He will always lead you the right way as He restores you. And, and, and when you wander, you can know that He's going to bring you back. And when you fail and when you fall, He will restore you. The Bible is filled with people who were heroes, who, were, who, who are remembered and known, not for their failures, but for their, for their faith in God to forgive. And those heroes, many of them had lots of failures. Many of them had some huge falls. But the falls and the failures weren't what defined them. What really defined them was that they turned to God. Even in the bottom of their pits. They turned to God and they sought His forgiveness. Uh, they repented. That's the key. The, the key is we continue to repent. We continue to confess. We continue, even when we fail and fall, to know that He is my protector. And not only does He rescue me when I fail and fall, from beginning to end in my relationship with him. But this is the last thought I want to share with you. But he keeps me when I trust in him. He keeps me when I continue to trust in him. You know, there was a day where I trusted for the first time that Jesus was going to forgive me. And my need to trust in him didn't end that day. It just began. And I will continue to need to trust in Him for my salvation, to need to trust in Him to forgive me and pick me up when I fail and fall, to need to keep trusting. Our shepherd is our protector. And Jesus' job as our shepherd and as our protector is to keep His sheep he keeps his flock of sheep and he wants to keep you. He wants to protect you. He wants to protect your soul. He wants to protect you and care for you and keep you in his sheepfold. He wants to protect you and care for you and show you his love. And life is going to have its up and downs, even the Christian life. You'll have moments and seasons of life that will be dark valley seasons and high mountain seasons and, 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 and plateaus filled with green grass. You will have moments of failures and moments of falls, sometimes big falls. And in those life moments, the most important thing we can do is to keep putting ourselves in God's hands, to continue to trust in him to save us. You trusted him to save you at the beginning. Trust him to save you now. Even as Christians, we need to remember that after Jesus saves us, we don't then start saving ourselves. 
after Jesus saves us, we continue to trust in him to save us. We continue to trust in him. We, we continue to make decisions over and over and over again to say, Jesus, I will trust you even in the midst of this pit. And guess what? He will continue to save you because he wants to keep you. When we fall as believers, we're supposed to just continue trusting in him, continue to confess, continue to repent, continue to trust, to trust in him. There's a reason I talk about repentance so often. And one of the reasons is this, that it's the probably the most worshipful thing you can do. To say, Lord Jesus, I want to be transformed to be more like you. And Jesus, I'm going to keep turning away from the world. I'm going to keep turning away from my pits. I'm going to keep turning away from the unnecessary struggles of life. And I'm going to just keep trying to turn to you. It's an ongoing process. It's not a once and done type thing. It's something we do every day. We continue to do and we do it in trust. Trust that Jesus forgives our failings and our faults. And what that looks like is when we fail, when we fall, we say, God, I'm all yours. All of me. I know I could never earn heaven. And sometimes you meet somebody that's been a Christian for a long time and thinks things have changed. That they've gone from being given grace to now they're earning what they, what they think will be heaven. But we need to remember that that's not how it works. We continue to say, God, I could never earn heaven. And God, I need your forgiveness. And I need your grace. And, and, and I need to repent. I need to confess. And God, I just come before you and I put, my, I put my whole life in your hands. I know I'll never be perfect, not on this side of heaven. And I'm trusting you. I'm accepting your gift of salvation. And I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I'm trusting you. And even as Christians, there's this need in our hearts to continue every day. Sometimes, <laughs> moment by moment. To say, God, I, I, I need to trust in you. And even though there will be times where he reaches down to pull you from your pit. And you don't, you don't want to give him your hand. You don't want to let him pull you out. His hand's always there. He's always saying to us, just let me help you. And you keep trusting in him. No, no matter how deep the pit. No matter... Uh, how lost you might feel like you are, no matter how far from him you think you've gone, his hand is always there. And his voice is always calling out to his sheep to follow him because he loves his sheep. And they hear his voice and they follow. And all it takes for us is to confess and trust. And he keeps you. He will keep you. In John chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And what that means is that we keep trusting in Him. We keep trusting and having faith in Him. And as long as we keep trusting in Him, uh, 
he will not only bring us out of the pit, but he will keep us after he saved us. There's nothing we can do to stop him from keeping us as long as we keep trusting in him. Because he's a good God. He's a good shepherd. And, and you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid if he's going to reject you. You don't have to be afraid of the enemies in this world that want to discourage you. You don't have to be afraid. Because he has a rotten staff and they can comfort you. In John chapter 10, verse 27 to 29, Jesus teaches us saying this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Do you hear something in that that sounds like him wanting to keep you no one, he says, can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. And I'm the shepherd with a rod and a staff. And he, my Father, is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands. He will keep you when you trust in him. When you trust in God, he won't let go of you. When you are in God's hands, no one can steal you from him. He will keep you. And you might say, well, I don't feel keepable. I don't feel like I deserve God to keep me. Maybe you trusted Jesus at one point, but you've been in a pit and you've fallen. And you might say to yourself, I don't think God wants me anymore because of my pit. And that's where we remember he saved us at a cross. And he continues to save us at a cross. To pay the penalty for all our pits. He saved you. He is a savior. And even though you don't deserve to be saved. He gives you grace and saves you. And when he saves you, when he claims you as a sheep of his flock, a, a, a sheep that, that he shepherds in his pasture, there is nothing, no one who could steal you from him. He wants to keep you. In Romans chapter 8, 38 to 39, the Apostle Paul will say this, And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you know what that means? That means that he's your protector. 
he will keep you. So trust him. Keep trusting him. Keep turning to him. Remain in him. Because he wants to keep you. Trust yourself into his hands. Trust that he's your protector. Trust him who holds a rod and staff of heaven and goes before you. Trust him and don't be afraid. When the pits of life come, falls and failures and all, his rod and his staff, well, you know what they can do? They can comfort you. Because if you trust in him, he rescues, he restores, and he keeps you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you. That even when we don't feel keepable, you keep us. That you want us. We thank you that you save us. That you, you save us from our sin, from the sin of our past and the sin of our future. That you save us from all our failures and all our falls. And that, that our sin, it doesn't define who we are. It's Jesus who defines who we are. And we are forgiven. And we are loved. And we are filled with your grace. And we have your Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, we just thank you for his, so many gifts. And we thank you for rescuing us from our pits. I pray, Father, for those who are joining us who maybe are finding themselves in a pit of failure, a pit of falling, a pit of uh, an unnecessary pit in their life. I pray, Father, alongside of these folks, just saying, God, we confess our pits. And God, we want to have and receive your help. We repent. We trust in you. Be our Savior. Save us, Father, from this pit. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who gave his life for us, who is our shepherd, who goes before us and leads us with a rod and a staff that comfort us. We pray in his name, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to say thank you for once again joining me for today's teaching time. Uh, I want to make sure I invite you to join us again next week where we continue to look into God's Word and, and learn from God's Word together about uh, how to know Him and love Him and how to avoid pits in our lives that are unnecessary and, and just, just to hear about His grace and the love that He has for us. Well, I want to say thank you for joining us and let's finish up today's online teaching time with uh, just declaring it's been a great day together. Are you ready? On the count of three, we're going to yell out it's been a great day. If you're in a place you can join us, we'd welcome you to do it. Uh, all right, you ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day and I'm so happy that you were joining us today. We'll see you next Sunday.